I want you to become wise to customer experience. And it stands for witty, immersive, shareable, and extraordinary. And these are four keys to creating experiences that your customers want to talk about. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast from Uniform, the podcast that dives into real conversations that are happening in contact centers around the world. Here you'll experience exciting interviews with well-known thought leaders, hear compelling stories from industry experts, gain fresh insights on contact center best practices and more. So grab a beverage and tune in as we get real with conversations that matter. Welcome everyone to another episode of Conversations That Matter. I'm your host, Randy Sar, And today we have a great guest to talk about customer experience. And it is one of the topics that we discuss on the show. And I know that all of you listening in, whether you're a VP of, at a contact center, whether you're a CXO, whether you're a CIO, whoever you are, this is going to be super valuable to you to really instill some new CX best practices in your company. So today I have with me Dan Gingis. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Randy. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this is a great time for me. We've talked uh, together in the past in previous uh, podcasts. Uh, one that will always be in infamy and in memory is over at uh, the Cubs game over at in, in Chicago. So that was definitely a memory that we'll always have together. Absolutely. Nothing quite like recording a podcast on the rooftops across the street from Wrigley Field. And what I remember the most about that is that when the national anthem came on, we paused, we stood up, put our hands over our heart, and did the national anthem. So that was uh, that's awesome. Hopefully that made the podcast. I can't remember if it did, but it should have. It, it did. It did. It did. I did not cut that out. Definitely not. So the reason I brought you on to the show today is you have a brand new book called The Experience Maker. And this is coming out in September on your favorite bookstore. And we want to talk about this particular book and some case studies from it that you included, as well as some methodologies that I think a lot of our listeners can benefit from. So that's uh, one part of the show. And then another part of the show, we're going to talk about a new video conversation survey that Unifor came out. And there's some really interesting data around AI and video conversations. Uh, and I think you guys will uh, love hearing about that and getting Dan's opinion on that. So let's get uh, to the book. So the book's coming out in September, right? It is. September 14th is the official launch date. Awesome. So September 14th, I took a read it and it's a great book. Some really good uh, case studies. And so one of the things I want to talk about was the methodology that you called WISE. So tell uh, our listeners a little bit about, about that and even back up a bit, just a, a brief summary uh, on the book without spoiling it. Sure. Well, I took 20 plus years of corporate America experience as well as several years of being out on my own uh, as a consultant and coach working with lots of different companies and put it together into a single book that has both the uh, case studies that I've uh, that I've collected over the years, as well as the practical learnings from actually being there and and doing it in corporate America. And so all the examples that I share go through the filter of having to be simple, practical, and inexpensive. I don't want to give you an idea where you look at me and say, hey, Dan, that sounds really amazing. I just don't happen to have $4 million laying around. <laughs> right. 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 So I want stuff that people can read and say, hey, I can do this. I can. Something actionable. Yep. Exactly. So the methodology that you refer to is called WISE because I want you to become wise to customer experience. And it stands for witty, immersive, shareable, and extraordinary. 
And these are four keys to creating experiences that your customers want to talk about. Remarkable experiences, worthy of remark, worthy of discussion. And after all, from a marketer's perspective, that's the holy grail. Word of mouth marketing is the most credible marketing out there. And it's my belief that the way you get there is to create experiences that customers want to talk about. They want to talk about it. They want to remember it. They want to really uh, almost recreate it uh, if it's that good of an experience. Well, we we know that people love to share good things that happen to them, right? And we right. see that all the time. I mean, there's it's one of the main arguments against Facebook is that people only share good things, right? No one ever shares <laughs> the tough parts of life. Well, right. you move over to Twitter and you see a lot of complaints about brands and you see That's a true. lot of bad experiences. And I believe that there's plenty of room to share good experiences. It's just that as consumers, we don't have a lot of them. And whenever I survey audiences when I'm doing a, a keynote, I'll ask the audience, raise your hand if you remember the last time you had such a great experience with a brand, you couldn't wait to tell people about it. And Randy, no matter how big the audience is, if it's 100 people or 1,000 people, four hands go up that they remember that. (laughs) And then I say, well, raise your hand if you remember the last time you were disappointed by a brand. And every hand in the room goes up because we all can turn to the last time we were disappointed. In fact, last time I did that, the guy in the front row literally jumped out of his seat and said, it just happened this morning. Like he wanted to tell me about it. Hopefully it wasn't the hotel where you're speaking at or or the conference center. Hopefully not. Uh, But the the reality is, is that if if we're the company, if you listeners are the company that create positive experiences, your customers want to talk about them. They just don't have them to talk about right now. Yeah. Uh, so wise, witty, immersive, shareable, and extraordinary. Uh, let's go through those main ones and hopefully get a, a, an example of each of them, a case study. So let's talk about witty. In the book, uh, and there's a few of them, but one that really stood out for me that I'm related to is Slack. Uh, yeah. So the messaging in, in Slack when you're logging in and you're waiting, that by far is something that is memorable to me that... I think a lot of people have actually copied in some of their copy. So tell us about witty and why that's so important. Sure. So when I talk about witty, I don't mean being hilarious. I'm not asking anyone to be a stand-up comedian. There's a few brands out there, Wendy's, Taco Bell, Shaman, that come to mind that have sort of earned that right to be the funny guys or to be the sarcastic guys. But chances are the people listening to this podcast don't work for companies like that. And that's okay. Witty's is a little bit different. It's about being clever using language to your advantage and refusing to be boring. Yeah. It's really simple, right? There's no law that says your business has to be boring. It might be boring, but <laughs> it doesn't have to be boring. And so it's about trying to be a little bit more fun and show some personality. So the way Slack does that, for those that don't know, is when you log in to Slack in the morning, you either see their standard message, which is please enjoy Slack responsibly, which is a play on the alcohol companies having to say, please drink our product uh, responsibly. Or you see a personalized message that you know your company's IT person has put in there. Maybe it's a message of encouragement or inspiration or, it's, or humor. And that's being witty. It's about that one moment where if it, all it does is cause someone to smile or chuckle or totally. nod their head or whatever, you've made the point, right? It's not a game changer in and of itself. But when you learn how to do it, you realize there's so many places to do it because of all of the ways that we communicate with customers. So this isn't something that's going to change the bottom line for for people, at least in the short term, right? Because you talk to your sales or demand gen team or even at the contact center that want to kind of upsell some stuff. 
but it is going to be memorable. It is something that people will be like, oh yeah, that's that's one thing that one of the things that that within the UX or UI, if it's a software company, that it would come back to them and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's cool. So, and it's probably something you can probably keep on designing into into the systems and software, don't you think? Yeah, but let's take a step back. I mean, with almost every industry, we know that competing on price has become a loser's game. It's just a race to the bottom. Totally. And competing on product is really difficult because there are very few unique products left, right? We all sort of do something that somebody else does similarly. Yeah. I mean, look at one of the most innovative products of our generation, Uber, who completely blew up and changed the taxi industry and then got copied by Lyft. Right. And now today you get in a car. Not only is it almost impossible to tell the difference between an Uber and a Lyft, but sometimes the cars are used for both. Both. Yeah. totally. So if if Uber can get copied, your company can get copied as well. And so if we don't have price to compete on, we don't have product to compete on. What's left is customer experience. And ultimately, customer experience is absolutely going to affect the bottom line. And I make that case in the book. The thing is, is that in my mind, customer experience is a bunch of smaller activities versus trying to make it this giant, multi-year, expensive transformation yeah. that frankly just overwhelms companies. So I really talk about how do you just start making the small changes and get that into the culture of your company so that going forward, every time you communicate with customers, you be just a little bit witty. And ultimately, if you're talking to a salesperson, for example, that salesperson, the target that they have, the VP of marketing, whoever it is that they're targeting, is getting hundreds of sales pitches, hundreds of them from all different companies selling all different things. And I can tell you, having been in that, that exact role, they all blur together. And so how are you going to stand out? Well, being witty is a great way to stand out. And thus, if that gets you the meeting that gets you uh, eventually the contract, big influence on the bottom line. Yeah, for sure. So I, it's definitely something uh, you know we'll get into a little bit more. Um, but the silos is also a, another area of contention in terms of how we spread this culture of, of CX. Um, so let's get on to uh, the next one, uh, immersive. And the one uh, case study that I really liked was J.P. Morgan uh, Chase. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about. Immersive is two things. It's about a continuous, consistent experience. So. You mentioned silos, right? The problem with silos in business is not a business organization issue. It's the fact that customers can often see those silos yeah. because they know when they've gotten passed from one team to another, something changed. Customers should never see your silos. Customers don't care about your organizational chart. It's not their job to care about it. And so immersive is about consistency throughout the experience. Obviously, you want it to be consistently good. Yeah. It's also about evoking some kind of emotion because when we have our emotions touched, we become closer with the business and we want to continue doing business with them. So the JP Morgan Chase example that you mentioned, they decided to play around with their login page. Now, every bank login page pretty much looks the same. First of all, I don't know why. I'm sure some psychologists came up with this, but almost every bank's colors are blue. Right? Other than Discover, by the way, where I work, where we were orange, but everything else is blue. And usually there's some, you know, New York skyline or something in the background to show that we're a big, important bank. Well, JP Morgan Chase decided to have flexible imagery behind the login page that was based on the user's zip code and also the time of day that they logged in. 
That's awesome. So for example, I'm logging in from Chicago. And when I would go to the site, I would see actually not the Sears Tower. And yeah, it's called the Willis Tower now to anybody who doesn't live here. We still call it the Sears Tower. Yeah, I remember that. Not Wrigley Field, not the Bean, not Navy Pier. I saw a neighborhood and an, an L tracks that went over. So it was clearly Chicago, but it's my neighborhood or it's, it's a neighborhood that I recognize because I live here. You might not actually recognize it, but that's okay. You're not seeing that picture. And what was super cool was that if I logged in at night, I saw a different picture that was actually taken at night of a different neighborhood. And so they did this all across the country. And what was fascinating is that people felt like Chase was their local bank, Yeah. right? Which is amazing given they're the biggest bank in the world, I think, or at least certainly the biggest bank in the United States. And they were actually portraying themselves as a local bank and doing it really successfully. I thought that was really brilliant. Yeah, I mean, the region-specific uh, content is what comes to my mind is what happened if every B2B company did that? <laughs> you know, maybe not on their on their homepage, but maybe on some partner portal or or some, you know, account. That would go pretty a long way to really feel connected to the company. Randy, I'm going to do it even simpler for you. Yeah. What if every SaaS company... Because most of the SaaS companies that you and I know have hundreds or maybe thousands of clients. They don't have millions of clients like JP Morgan Chase does, right? Right, right, right? What if we just set the goal of talking to every customer once a year, like on the phone or in person? That would be wow. awesome. Wow. Mind-blowing, right? Yeah. But we don't do that. We don't. We think we're too busy to do that. And yet, these are the people that are keeping the lights on and paying our salaries and all that totally. yeah. and just having a conversation with them and doing nothing else is going to give you such a treasure trove of feedback and and ideas and inspiration that that alone if you did nothing else would be well worth it i totally agree and now for a short break let's learn more about unifor unifor is the global leader in conversational service automation the company's vision is to disrupt an outdated customer service model by bridging the gap between human and machine using voice, AI, and automation so that every voice on every call is truly heard. For more information about Unifor, go to www.unifor.com, email podcast at unifor.com, or tweet at Unifor. And now back to the podcast. So uh, for those of you listening, uh, we're talking to Dan Gingis, and he just wrote a new book called The Experience Maker. That's what we're talking about today. I got, I got one too. How about that? Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> uh, and uh, we uh, are talking about WISE, which is a methodology that uh, Dan uh, wrote about in the book. So we talked about witty, talked about immersive. And next we'll get to shareable. And shareable, I, I think, is, of course, near and dear to my heart in terms of the job that I do at Unifor around social. But it's not just about social in terms of that technology, because shareable has been around for a long time, right? And I always ask this question uh, to people when I do a rapid fire with them, what is the last product that you actually referred to a friend? And I'm kind of curious uh, from your from your uh, experience, what's the last one that you referred to a friend? Actually, it was last night. I was reading a book about speaking called The Referrable Speaker. And there was a part in the book that had an offer that said, we'd like you to basically gift this book to someone. So go to this website, put in their email address, and we'll send them a free ebook. And I did. Oh. And I, 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 I thought awesome. that was a great idea, you know? And it was a great way for them to spread the word about their book. And it doesn't cost them anything because the ebook 
is downloadable. It's, you know, yeah, you have to yeah. print it or ship it or anything like that. And I thought it was brilliant. And so, yeah, they had to give me a little nudge, but I thought that was a great shareable moment. And look, shareable is, it's the end goal. It's, you know, we want people talking about us, but the thing is, is it doesn't happen automatically. It has to be built in. And what a lot of companies make the mistake of is thinking that shareable is about follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, <laughs> and take a picture here and share this and user-generated content. And really what it's about is creating an experience that people want to share without being nudged, that it's just so obvious that they want to share. And I use Chewy as an example, and I'll tell you, I share, I mean, there's probably 50 companies mentioned in my book in terms of case studies. And when I'm on stage doing a keynote, I only have time to maybe mention 10 or 12 of them. But I will tell you that every time I get off stage, someone runs up to me and says, I got to tell you my Chewy story. It's the <laughs> one brand of everyone that I talk about that people, everyone has an example of why they love Chewy. Chewy is well known for, you know, when you call in and cancel your pet food because your pet died. Not only are they so uh, sensitive and uh, sympathetic on the phone, but then they send you flowers and, a, and like a, a condolence card. And it's like mind blown, right? My pet just yeah. died, which means now I'm not a customer anymore, but they know better. They know that I'm going to get another pet down the road. Sorry to interrupt. So that's why they want us to create a profile for our pets, right? Because you don't, you don't just create a profile for yourself as the owner, but each pet has a has their own profile. And they also use that information. And this is really yeah. important. We collect so much data about our customers and we very rarely use it, which leaves customers wondering, why are you collecting it in the first place? My favorite example of this is how many companies and organizations have you had to share your birthday with? Every time you apply for a credit card, every yeah. time you apply for insurance or for a loan, every time you go to the airport, every time you check into a hotel, you're showing your ID. Heck, every time you check into a bar, of course, I still get bouncers, of course, card me still all the time. <laughs> you're giving them your birthday. Yeah. Now, think about how many companies wish you a happy birthday. And the answer is almost none. Almost none. And why? It's such an easy way to connect with a customer. Well, what Chewy does is they, you're right, they ask you to fill out a profile and then they know your pet's name and they know your pet's birthday and they send your pet a birthday card. And when they email you, they ask you about your pet by name. It's brilliant. Yeah, it is. Right now, there are pets the weight of people's hearts, but it's so personalized. And the thing is, and this is one of the cases I make in the, in the book, it's scalable, right? They don't have to go look up Randy's dog's name. It's part of their CRM. It's built in. They can automate it, but it still comes off as being incredibly personalized. And so yeah. you might be in a B2B company that's selling software and you're thinking, well, okay, I don't, I don't know my, kid, my uh, customer's dog's names. Okay, but during the sales process, I'll bet you learn something else about them. I'll bet you learn where they went to school totally. and what their totally. alma mater is. I'll bet you learned if they have kids, if they're married, whatever. This is all information that you then can use to provide a personalized experience for them. If you want to send them a thank you gift at some point, send them a sweatshirt from their alma mater. They're going to be thrilled, right? <laughs> totally. And it's such a personalized gift versus sending them a sweatshirt that's got your company logo on it where they're like, well, what do I do with this? Yeah, I can imagine calling into a contact center and they, the company knowing that I was, uh, I went to San Jose State and I was a Spartan um, and they bring up the 
the racing football game or something like that. I mean, that, that, that would go a long way. It's like they're establishing a friendship, right? And then once they've established a Ooh. friendship, <laughs> now, yeah. right, now you like yeah. working with them, right? Yeah. Because you have a relationship. Yeah. Uh, in your book, there was an e-marketer stat that I thought was uh, quite telling. And it was around kind of pain points and, and challenges that, that people have with, with companies. And it says 72% of internet users worldwide say a disconnected experience would make them change service providers. And that's really telling. And, and I assume per industry might be a little different, um, if not higher. But that's really telling to, you know, get your <laughs> beep together uh, or people are going to leave. And it just takes one bad experience for that to happen, right? Absolutely. There are, and, and that was a, a shocking stat. There were a lot more in the book too, that basically all say in different words, they say the same thing. You essentially have one chance. You don't get three strikes. You got one chance and you mess it up. And the switching costs for customers are so low that they just pick up and go somewhere else. Right. And so the thing we've got to focus on is not just acquiring new customers. Obviously we have to do that to grow, but we got to acquire customers who we can also keep. Because if we can't keep them, then all we're doing is just churning through them and having to acquire more and more customers. But if we focus just as much effort on keeping them, those are just as valuable, in fact, more valuable than a new customer because they're less expensive to acquire. We've already acquired them. All right. So the book is available at your favorite bookstore. You can find out more information about Dan at dangingus.com and links to all the stuff that we we're talking about over there is available. And so now we're going to switch uh, topics uh, still around CX. Uh, and this is something new that just came out uh, this week. For those who are listening, we're towards the end of uh, August here. And we did a survey around video conversations and how people are kind of what the trends are, what some of the fails are, and what some of the wins are uh, in relation to video conversations, especially as it relates to AI and video conversations. So I'm going to bring up the actual PDF right here. And for those that are listening into the audio podcast, you can go to unifor.com and you can get all the data on our latest survey. It's broken down by country, by region. So we have stuff from Malaysia, Philippines, India, UAE. Uh, so there's lots of different uh, regions out there that we surveyed people. So the survey was 1,000 people in North America in the United States and then around 2,100 people on the other countries that I was uh, discussing. So this is, if you're watching the video podcast right now, this is the video conversations uh, PDF right here. So one of the stats I wanted uh, to share with you guys was on the dark sides of video conversations. And these are the uh, opportunities that people have. Let's call them opportunities. Uh, these are the activities that people have when uh, we're doing a video conversation. And just like now, um, you know, I got my phone right here, I got the book, got my uh, my cup right here. Uh, have a little sip. And there's so many just opportunities there for people to multitask. But when it comes to video conversations, uh, take a look at this, Dan. Uh, dislikes, not feeling heard or understood, 59% of people. What do you think about that? I mean, that's definitely, uh, <laughs> you're just speaking to the camera and and people, you just get blank stares during the headlights, right? I mean, how many times does that happen? Well, sure. Or you're on a call with a whole bunch of people and it's really hard to jump in or et cetera. And it, yes, I, I, that doesn't surprise me. Yep. Seeing yourself, oneself on camera, uh, 39%. I thought that would have been higher because I know that people just hate being on camera or I'm sure you've heard in your case, people hate, you know, the number of fear is public speaking. I'm sure number two now should be seeing yourself on camera. 
Yeah, it's funny. I'm working with somebody who has been on camera her whole life and is so comfortable with being on camera, but is afraid of public speaking. And here I am the opposite where I love public speaking, but man, being on camera is just kind of uncomfortable because I can't see people's responses and whatever. And yeah. you ask my mother, even when I was a kid, I didn't like getting my picture taken. So everybody's a little bit different. And one of the things I think we've had to learn, especially in the last year and a half, is it takes all kinds and we got to be respectful and we got to be understanding that different people have, you know, different desires and different comfort levels. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the call. It depends on, on the topic at hand. It depends on the person, uh, depends on the culture. I think it's, it's very different across uh, regions. This is one of my favorites multitasking activities while you're on a video conference, bathroom visits, getting dressed, faking bad internet connection to leave early. Uh, when we were talking earlier before the call, we were talking about in the beginning of a call that might actually happen as well. <laughs> and then uh, grocery shopping. Well, grocery shopping is the one that surprised me. People who are in business meetings are grocery shopping at the same time. I hope that means they're doing it online. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Grocery store, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? All right. And then the real thing I, I think that we want to focus on is around AI and video conversations, which you know, AI and, and customer experience had a lot of uh, talk around that, you know, and I think the way that we see it is around the AI plus the human agent uh, combined is the the real solution. And so it was interesting to see how people thought of AI and video conversations. So openness to AI automation to improve experiences was 61%. Um, so that I was quite surprised by that. And, and so that there's definitely room for our, uh, growth there. Well, I think customers are open to anything that will improve experiences, to be honest, right? Yeah. And so if AI can do it, great. Be careful, though, because some AI makes the experience worse. And so yeah. I don't think you'd get the same numbers if the question was, are you open to AI making the experience worse? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then how can AI help? Video conversations... There's lots of different uh, data points, data sources coming through. This is one around improved ability to inter interpret the mood interest of others, 22%. On-screen transcription to reduce speaker accent and help take action on items being discussed. So those are uh, quite telling. And so uh, for anybody that wants to learn more about this particular survey uh, around video conversations, trends, wins, and fails, you can go to unifor.com, check it out, download the infographic for your particular region around the world. And that is the latest uh, from Unifor in terms of our uh, content. Cool, Dan. Well, um, thanks uh, for your opinions on that. And let's get on to some rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you some questions, really quick responses. Let's see uh, what you got what you got going on and what the answers are. So first one. Uh, and I, actually, you already said this. Last book you read is probably the one that you mentioned yesterday. Preferable speaker. Uh, and before that, I was reading a fiction book called Judgment, which was uh, pretty good. It was about a female judge who had, let's just say, done something that she regretted. And it was coming back to haunt her in the middle of a case. I thought it was actually really good. Cool. I'll have to check it out. I try to switch back and forth between fiction and nonfiction just to keep my mind going. Uh, last uh, contact center that you called? Ooh, good question. That would have been uh, American Airlines. I was booking a whole bunch of flights uh, for speeches coming up in October. Please, may they still happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
needed to apply some credits uh, from from past flights and so called them to help. Awesome. Uh, and kind of second uh, part of that question is, if you had a celebrity, dead or alive, that could answer your your call and make and give you, you know, complete at ease, everything was taken care of, who would that celebrity be? Wow, that is um, <laughs> that's a good one. For some reason, my mind immediately went to Homer Simpson, who I know is not a real celebrity, <laughs> but I do think it'd be a whole lot of fun if he answered the Ooh, phone. <laughs> so go with yeah. him. I did a, I don't know if I did Homer there. I probably did a little Yoda too, but that's awesome. Right. Homer Simpson. You know, you need, we talked about witty and uh, having a little humor in it too. So maybe Homer can answer your calls. That's awesome. And then the final question of the day, the next place that you're going to go on vacation. I am currently planning uh, in the winter time to head to Jamaica with the family. So I'm very excited about Anytime you can leave Chicago winters and head south and get some nice warm weather, it's a it's a bonus. It definitely. Uh, I was coming to California. We got we got winters here. It snows here, but in my area it doesn't snow. My college roommate who used to live in LA would call me every February just to tell me <laughs> that it was 72 and sunny in LA. That's <laughs> horrible. It was really bad. All right. Well, thanks uh, for your time today. And for those that want to reach out to Dan, we We'll put up the URL before, but Dan, uh, we'll give you the airways right now. What's going on uh, in the next couple months for you? Uh, the book with a book release. We'll give you a minute uh, of uh, airtime. Uh, share with the audience what's going on. Well, thanks, Randy. I'm super excited for the book launch on September 14th. I mean, this has been a labor of love, almost two years in the making, and super excited to have it out. I do think it's really timely as we have employees coming back to work, and we have. Uh, most of the pandemic behind us, you know, asterisk, we'll see what happens. Um, but as I said, the pandemic really shined a bright light on customer experience. And so it's great timing. Uh, and I'm excited for people to read it. And also, I'm excited to get their feedback, because I talk a lot about in the book about listening to your customers and listening to feedback. And I really value it too. So if you read the book, and you love it, let me know. If you hate it, let me know. If you have ideas or other stories that you think should be in the next book, let me know. I would love to have that conversation. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, you're on LinkedIn. People uh, can find you there. Uh, Twitter as well. Absolutely. At D. Gingas. At D. Gingas. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks, Dan, for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. As always, this is another episode of Conversations That Matter. Please rate and review this podcast. Uh, and if you want to email us, email us at podcast at unifor.com. That's all for today. Have a great day, everyone. You have been listening to the Conversations That Matter podcast by Unifor. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player and rate and review to enable us to create relevant and valuable content for your business. If you'd like to learn more about conversational service automation, visit unifor.com. Have a great day. 